This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Alright, so we will continue on these teachings in premarital class. And again, I hope you've been blessed by all the teachings that have been going on from premarital class from... The start of Minister Stinson to Minister Hill, and, and then my portion here. And understand, we say premarital class, you know, is really intended for those that are not married, you know, the unmarried. That means those are in the single state of their life, right? That means you don't have a wife, you don't have a husband, right? Um, these are really the intentions of this. You, in other words, you have not made a choice, right, to be in marriage, not yet. And maybe you're not even thinking about it. This is the time to get this counsel down. That's why we call it premarital class. Because once you get married, there's a whole other counsel for you then. Right? And that's the problem with a lot of people that are not married. They're, they're not married, but they're acting like they are married. And that's the big issue. And that's why we're dealing with intimacy and a devastation of illicit sex. Because when, you, when you're having sex with somebody you're not married to, you are acting like you are married. But you are not. And there's consequences to that action. Right? So, in this teaching, we have already expressed exactly about some questions that we want to answer, right? And the question we want to answer in this teaching is, what is intimacy in dating and courting? Why can't we have sex? What is God's standard pertaining to sexual relationships? And what is a devastation of illicit sex? And I want to make these points clear, right? The point of the goal of this message, the objective of this message, is not to condemn you. It's really to bring for restoration, because, again, I'll say this. The reason why we're teaching this is because many of you unmarried folks, many of you single people, are having sex outside of marriage. And guess what? You need to be restored. You need to stop. And like when we saw these things, we, we read through pastor scriptures where, where the Lord Jesus dealt with these individuals that are having sex outside of marriage. He dealt with the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. And he told her to go and sin no more. But I love how he told her, I need to do, I condemn you. See, God wants to restore you. He's not here to condemn you. Right? The acts is what is, con- is what is being condemned. The sinful acts. But you need to be restored. So when you listen to this teaching, when you hear this teaching, don't just tune it out and think, well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And hear God. Let the conviction of God cause you to be restored. So you can stop. Stop having sex outside of marriage. That is the, truly the goal of this. For you to be restored. And so we talk about what is intimacy, and intimacy is sharing and expressing in words what is in your heart that is private and personal. It is exposing of your heart. That's what we mean by when you're being intimate. It is exposing of your heart. What's in your heart you are sharing. And one thing, I, I keep saying this, and I said this from the very beginning, intimacy is not sex. Right? So make sure you get that clear, right? Intimacy is not sex. But intimacy will lead to sex. That's why you've got to be careful what you're sharing and exposing that are private and personal in your heart with some other, with another person. Because now you've given your heart over to them. Once you expose your heart to them, you've given your heart over to them. So who should you give your heart over to? God. And we looked at this, right? We, we looked at this and, and how God said you need to give, him, give all your heart, all your soul, all your mind to Him. You need to love your, the Lord God with all. So my heart should be towards God. I need to give my heart over to Him. That means I need to be intimate with God. So intimacy should be found in my communion with God, my relationship with God, my fellowship with God. I shouldn't be holding back anything from God. 
And it's amazing how we are in, in this society, in this culture, right? We'll hold back everything from God like he doesn't know, but we'll, we'll expose our heart to those people that really doesn't have our best interest at heart at all. We're ready to expose to them our private was personal, our hurts. But with God, we like, oh, I'm not even sharing it. And God's like, I already know, but come talk to me. Because he has the answer to restore you. Right? So we talk about what is intimacy. Right? And, but then the next question was, in dating court, why can't we have sex? Why can't we have sex? And it's very clear, God's standard is very clear. Right? The body is not for fornication. And we looked at this. Matter of fact, let's turn to, to this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Because you know, you're like, well, why can't I have sex? And then when I'm not married. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And so it's very clear in verse 13. He, God calls this thing out very clearly. Your body is not for fornication. What is fornication? Having sex outside of marriage. Any kind of sex outside of marriage is fornication. You know, we looked at adultery, right? But adultery is just having somebody that's married and having sex with somebody they're not married to. That's still considered having sex outside of marriage. God said your body is not for that. But your body is for the Lord. Now, that's an interesting statement. I, I, I love how God does this, right? Because he doesn't leave you hanging. Because well, you say, well, my body is not for sex. Then what's my body for? Your body is for the Lord. What, how is my body for the Lord? Jump down to verse number 20. For ye are bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are his, which are God's. So my body is for the Lord means I need to glorify God in my body. So that means when you're out there having your sexual escapades with women or with men that you're not married to, is that glorifying God? No, it's not. Because he said your body's not for that. You're not bringing any glory to God by having sex outside of marriage. So that's wrong. And in God's eyes, when we say it's wrong, it's considered sin. And the wages of sin is death. That's why you're seeing death all around you. But God wants to restore you. You cannot take your members of your body, and you are, bo- you are a born-again believer, and take them and join yourself with a harlot. A harlot is, again, someone you're not married to. He said, God forbid that. So these are things you must understand. These are things that you must adhere to. It's God's standard. And again, and then we said this from the very beginning as well, right? We have to learn to embrace God's standard for ourselves. Because a lot, of, a lot of believers may know these things are right, but they won't embrace them for themselves. What I mean by that, they'll justify their actions. Right? Or they'll justify their actions of having sex outside of marriage. Because they'll say, well, well, we love each other. We're in love. Or here's a good one. I, I, I'm engaged. You know, which I put a ring on that, on that woman's finger. Or the woman saying, you know, he and we're engaged. So, it's, you know, we're, we're practically married. We're on there. We're heading to, to we got a date set and we're heading to, the, to our marriage ceremony. But you're not married. Right? Until you get married, there is no sex. And here's the thing about it. Sex is not even an option. Here's what would be helpful for you that are dating in court. Why are you even bringing up sex? It's not, even, it's not even part of the dating courting process. 
All the things we were taught before by Minister Hill, all the things we've learned, sex is not even, should not even be part of that dating according process. It's not in there. Sex is only introduced when you get married. So why are you discussing sex? See, that's the lust of your flesh. That means you have another agenda. That means you're not about the standard of God. Stop talking about sex in your dating and courting process. Why tease yourself when you know you can't have it? That shouldn't even be brought up. You know, like you don't bring up other things in your dating and courting process either. You don't even bring these things. Some things you don't even talk about in your dating and courting process. Add sex to that list. You know, like dating court pride, what you don't talk about, like people's credit report. You know how bad a person, you finna marry this person or dating this person and they have, they, their credit is all, they have, they only have good credit. Their credibility is, is bad. Right? And then you, then you end up getting married to them and all of a sudden you wonder how come you can't go get things and stewardship or, you know, things are now not happening in your, in your relationship and your marriage. And you're like, what happened? Well, you dated somebody who had bad credit. See, if you had that discussion beforehand, you'd say, well, no, guess what? If you really want me, you really want to marry me, bring me into covenant, get your credit score of at least over 700. Then come talk to me. And I want to make sure I see it from the, the credit people, right? The Bureau, right? Equifax, you know, TransUnion. Let me see it from, let me see your credit report. If it's over 700, then we can talk about marriage once it gets to that point. If, that, if not, then you got some work to do. So add, add sex to that. See, because again, you don't have that. I'm gonna tell you, you don't have that conversation. You don't even say nothing about that. It's all about oh, how good you look, how fine you are, and all, all that silly stuff. That once you get married, you don't even bring that up no more. But add sex to the list of we're not in discuss. Why are we talking about sex when we dating in court? We're not gonna have sex. Then why are we talking about it? See, again, I'm telling you, this is where you need to be at. But again, if you can't contain, you know, if you, if you, again, going back to, well, you know, we love each other, then look at this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, <clears throat> verse 9, it says, But if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. So if you are so in love with that person that you say you guys are with, She's so in love with you. You are so in love with them that you got, you know, I have to have sex with this woman. Then get married. Not just put a ring on it. Get married. Have a ceremony. Let me tell you, like, you know what a marriage is? Marriage includes vows. So don't say we are married, you didn't have no vows. And after the vows are written, after the vows are spoken, somebody, both parties got to say I do to that. That means I'm in agreement with that. We just cut covenant. That's part, that's marriage. If you haven't done that, you're not married. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like, kind of like marriage. You know, we, because you're living with somebody, don't mean you're married to them. Stop getting, stop living out of the society. There's no such thing as common law marriage. If there was no vows and nobody that said, I do after those vows, you are not married. And somebody needs to officiate that. There's not marriage. You, you ain't got no marriage license? Then you're not married. But if you can't contain to get married... Right? You know, and look at this and we looked at this in verse nine. Look at this in verse number one. Second <clears throat> Corinthians seven and one. It says, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me. 
it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. And let every woman have her own husband. Again, to avoid fornication. To avoid you having sex outside of marriage since you can't contain. Get married. Get your own wife. And women, get your own husband. Now that speaks volumes there. Don't go after nobody else's wife or somebody else's husband. Come to everything always looks better on the other side. The grass is always greener on the other side, right? You're looking at somebody else, like, I wish I had him as a husband. No, get your own husband. I like how that man treats his wife. I want him as my, my, as my husband. No. Or my brother's looking at another woman like, oh man, that woman, if I had her as my wife, then, no, you get your own wife. You know, because, you know, this is the thing about marriage. Let me, let me get off of this real quick before we go here, right? But marriage, you, you got to put in the work. You don't know what work that brother put in while his wife is the way she is. She didn't come out that way. I'm telling you, the brother put in work. You looking at marriages and, and having an a, a unreal fantasy about, about what marriage is, not understanding the work that the husband put in and the work the wife put in. That's why that brother looks so well, because his wife done put in the work. Right, you want to you reap the fruit of somebody else's labor. Because you're not willing to put in the work. That's why he said, get your own wife, get your own husband, put in your own work. Because marriage is work constantly, continually, until you both go on to be with the Lord. It's work. It never ends. Again, that's why you're on this side. It's premarital. But if you can't contain to get married. But while you're dating and courting, that is not God's standard to have sex outside of marriage. It is not God's standard. So what are the devastations of illicit sex? We talked about this last time. The devastation of illicit sex. First, let me define the word illicit for you, just in case you missed that. Illicit means unauthorized, outlawed, prohibited, illegal, banned, unsanctioned, bootleg. Right? That's what illicit means. That means it's not authorized, it's unlawful, it's outlawed, you know, no, no, you Here's the thing you need to think about. If you're having sex outside of marriage, you are a criminal. Right? And you need to pay for the punishment of, of you violating a crime. You're a criminal. That's an outlaw. You are outlaws having sex outside of marriage. And see, I, I'm telling you, I, we say these things, I'm, I'm trying to make it as plain as possible to understand what you are doing. Because I'm saying for a lot of believers, I'm saying believers, not talking about folks that are in the world. I'm talking about believers. They view sex outside of marriage as something casual, like we're just going through the motion, like it's okay, and you know, God will forgive me, God knows my They throw all these God words out there, but never hear God's standard. You're being an outlaw in God's eyes. God wants to bring you out of that sin, like He bring it out of every other sin that you're in. I don't know, how come we don't view sex outside of marriage as sinful as other things that we do that are considered sin? It's sin. God wants you to be restored, redeemed from your sin. He wants you to come out of that. It's an out, you're being an outlaw. And I'm going to tell you, it's amazing how you cannot move forward with God until you correct these things. And that's, that's the thing. God's like, come out of that. Stop it. Go and sin no more. But we all want to be used by God, taking the, God, use me in this area. God, I want to be this for you, Lord God. God, you are this and that. And God's like, if I'm this and that to you, if I'm all your world is to you, then stop having sex with this guy you're not married to. 
Stop. Because it's outlawed. It's unsanctioned. That's what illicit means. And so the devastations of illicit sex, there are consequences. There are consequences to having sex outside of marriage. Consequences. And I said this last time, here's the beauty of the consequences. The beauty of consequences, you don't choose the consequences. And here's the next thing about the beauty of consequences. You don't even choose when the consequences come. The timing of it. Because you look at other people that you see that are doing things, having sex outside of marriage, and you look at what their consequences are, are, and your mind, like, there's no consequences for them. But for you, you just think about it, like I said, and here come the consequences. Because you can't choose them. The consequences are built into the sin. That's why we're having this conversation with you now, so you won't consider or get caught up in the sin. The consequences are built into the sin. You don't unlock the consequences until you commit the act of the sin. And then now here come the consequences. And you can't choose it. And you can't even stop it. You don't put things into motion. You can't undo the consequences that you have did because of sin. That's God's order. Something's going to die. Something's going to come to an end. Understand the seriousness of the devastation. That's what we call a devastation of illicit sex. That's illicit sex. It's going to be devastating to you. The Bible is very clear how you sin against your own body when you do this. And again, I'm going to tell you, you can't even comprehend. What does it mean to sin against my own body? What, you can't, I'm going to tell you, you can't comprehend what that means until later on you say, oh, that's what that meant. It's coming. That means your body is not going to function the way it should function because you had sex outside of marriage. And you're like, well, my body's functioning fine. Really? Wait on it. Wait on it. There's things in your body you put into motion because of your sexual escapades. Then as you get older, or as you become even more, you know, acclimated in certain things, you're like, man, my body's not the same. No, it's not the same. Because of sin. That's sin against your own body. It's working against you. Now, why would anybody want to sin against their own body? See, these are conversations you need to think about when you get into relationships and you're dating in court and all of a sudden when sex comes up, when it shouldn't come up, when it comes up, like, no, I'm not going to sin against my own body. You know, first of all, I'm not going to sin against God, but I am definitely not going to sin against my own body. Here's the thing about your body. You only got one body. That's why you got one body. You, you You have one. On this lifetime, you have one body. It is what it is. Your body is your body. Now, you can have all that plastic surgery. You can have all those other kind of things you can do to try to change your body. But I'm telling you, you can't get no taller. It is what it is. Your body is your body. And you're going to sin against that. That's the devastation of sex outside of marriage. There's consequences to it. And we looked at this. Go to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. As we talked about last time. Proverbs chapter 5. Starting in verse number 1. It says, My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as 
honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. I mean, he's rhyming with this passage of Scripture. So he's talking about the strange, the strange woman is, is having illicit sex. When we talk about this strange woman, understand this is not a gender. It's not just talking about a female that, you, that a male is having sex with. It's talking about a, 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 the opposite as well. It can be talking about a male that's having sex with a female. Anything outside of the marriage covenant that you're having sex with is considered the strange woman. So it says, the strange woman, it says in verse 3, that her, her lips drop as honeycomb and her mouth smoother than oil. I'm going to tell you, it starts out as sweet and smooth. Again, it starts out sweet and smooth. And you're caught up with the sweetness and the smoothness. But then verse 4, the end though, is bitter and sharp. It's just the opposite. You went from sweet to bitter. You went from smooth to sharp. By the end. But see, you're caught up now. And That's what I mean. When you're caught up in sexual activity outside of marriage, you get caught up. You never see the bitterness that's coming. You never see the sharpness that's coming. The sharpness of the truth is going to cut. It's going to cut so deep that it's going to hurt for years to come. For the rest of your life. But it started out sweet and smooth. That's why I said take heed to the counsel. Understand the instruction now. Don't get caught up with sex outside of marriage. Verse 5, it says, Her feet go down to, the, to death. Her steps take hold on hell. That thou shouldest ponder the path of life. Her ways are movable. And that thou cannot know them. <laughs> Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way from her. Come not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. He's giving you exactly what the consequences are going to be. You're going to give your years to the cruel. Your life is going to be unstable, unproductive, because you're giving your life over to the the sexual uh, immorality of the strange woman. Years of it. Lest the strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy laborers be in the house of a stranger. And the morn at, that, at the last, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say how I have hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof. And have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. You see, you have not obeyed the voice of your teachers. Those that instructed you. This is the counsel. Then you're going to reap the fruit. Of those activities of that strange woman. Then it says, verse 14, I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. That's talking about you coming to the place of total ruin. All because of the sexual activities of, of the strange woman? Yes. It'll bring you to a place of total ruin. It talks about a midst of the congregation and assembly. It's, all, it's in the place where you have forfeit things in your life when it comes to the plan of God because of you are caught up in your sexual activities. The plan of God. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing more important to me than, than following the plan and purpose of God. Nothing. Sex outside of marriage is not worth it for me to forfeit the plan and purpose of God over my life. It's not worth it. Again, that's why God is saying you need to be restored. God has a plan and purpose for you to do in your life now. You need to be so you can stop having sex outside of marriage because you're going to come to a place of total ruin. You're going to be unfruitful in in the things of God.
That's a shame. God can't move forward with you because you're caught up in your lust. God can't. You know what I said? God can't move forward with you because you're caught up with your lust. And God will move on to the, to the next, this next plan we already have in place, already set up because you're caught up. And then you get mad at that other person that, that raised up and do something that you wouldn't do all because you would not stop having sex outside of marriage. You refuse to be restored. It's time for restoration. Stop it. So what is the restoration process? First and foremost, you have to take responsibility for your actions that they are wrong. I'll say it again. You have to take responsibility for your actions that they are wrong. Do not blame the guy. Do not blame the girl for you having sex outside of marriage. Stop that. Stop playing a victim when you are the criminal. You're the one that's having sex outside of marriage. It wasn't like, well, if that girl didn't wear what she had on, I would, you know. No. Regardless of what she had on, you still after her. Regardless of what he did, you were still trying to have sex with, with him. It's not their fault. Stop blaming them for your sin. That's how you take responsibility to my actions. That what I am doing is wrong. And we saw that with that woman that was taking the very act of adultery. One thing I really appreciate about that woman that was taking the very act of adultery, she never mentioned the man at all. She never said, what, what? You, you know, you caught me in the very act, but you know, I wasn't by myself. There was somebody else with me. How come you didn't bring him up here? No, she didn't mention him at all. Well, here we are. Soon we get caught. We want to bring in everybody else that we was involved with. No, you're not. You're not ready to be restored. You are wrong. Take responsibility for your actions that you have sinned against God and you have defiled the other person. That's taking responsibility. What I did was wrong. I have sinned against God and I have defiled the other person. Well, the other person consented. You have defiled the other person. How can a person consent to something that is unlawful? That should not even be... That's what I mean. Illicit sex is... There's not even... should be a statement of agreement there. You can't consent to something that's unlawful. And then justify it? No. It's not about we consenting adults. You can't consent to something that's unlawful. That makes it right. So that's part of the restoration process. Number one, you've got to take responsibility for your actions that they are wrong. That you have sinned against God and defile the other person. So at that point, once you get to that place and you take responsibility, you understand that what you've done is wrong. That means you've got to get away from the person that you're having sex with. Get away from them. What does it mean to get away from them? Exactly what I just said. Stop being with them. Well, we're just going to be friends now. Stop being with them. You can't go from sex mode to friend zone. It doesn't work that way. Stop being with them. You've got to cut it off. Then once you've done that, repent before God. You have to repent. You have to realize you have sinned against God. That means you've got to turn away from your sin and ask God to forgive you. And give you strength to continue. Again, God's not condemning you. He wants to restore you. But you've got to repent before God. That means, again, now it's time to be intimate with God. You've got to go before the Holy God and tell Him what you have done 
It was wrong if you sinned against Him and Him alone. You've got to go before God and repent. And repentance starts with a change of your heart. It's a heart change. Again, it's not simply because I got caught. It's a heart change. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Repent before God. Then you need to apply self-control. And self-control is part of the fruit of the Spirit. So again, don't say, well, I don't have no self-control, then are you born again? If you say you do not have self-control, that means you are not born again. Because part of being born again, you have the fruit of the Spirit, which we know part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control or temperance. It's there. And the Spirit lives in you to temper you. Apply self-control. Now, self-control starts in your thought life. That means you've got to watch what you put before your senses. You know, your senses, your eyes, your smell, your touch, your ears. It's going to affect how you respond to sexual desires. That means you've got to change some things. That's how you apply self-control. It starts in your, your thought life. I've got to change my thinking. And how I'm going to change my thinking, I've got to watch the things that I... That, I, that I'm viewing on, on this live streaming or, or, you know, streaming that you're doing. You know, we keep hearing, spend more time in the Word of God than even with music. you got to watch some music that you're listening to. Change the way the music, change the music you're listening to. Stop listening to all those love jams. All those slow songs that get you in the mood. You know the ones. You're cold by heart. They, I mean, that stuff is, stop listening to it. Put it away. See, that's applying self-control. Okay, we're just trying to help. This is part of the restoration process. Because if not, you'll end up going right back. It won't be the same woman or the same guy. It'll be somebody else you get caught up with again. Because you have not applied self-control. You've got to change the way you're thinking. You've got to change the way you listen to. And then you got, and this is all part of, uh, of self-control. And then you, gotta, you must refuse the counsel of the strange woman. You've got to refuse the counsel. That means just because you tell this woman that, or oh, this guy that you're done, you're not going to do it anymore, don't mean they're going to leave you alone. They're going to still come after you. They're like, yeah, you said that, but I, you said that before. That's what I mean by how you to get away from that person, because that person's still going to text you. They may even text you, what you, show you what you're missing out on. You know, sexting, right? Send you some photos of them, or text, or, hey, you remember this? Remember, you all about this. Now you ain't about this no more. Let me show you what you're missing out on, girl. Look at all these abs. All just all grease down just for you. And here you are. You got to refuse that counsel. Or a woman sending you, you know, her, her little lingerie on like, hey, I'm ready. Hashtag ready. It's time to eat because you know you're thirsty. You've got to refuse the counsel of the strange woman. See, that's applying self-control. Once you get a test, just block it. Like, I'm not even, block it. Don't even look at it. Because, see, that's the thing. You know, how can you take fire to your bosom and not think you're getting burned? Don't sit there and say, well, I can look at it and not affect it. It's going to affect you because you already got, you already been influenced in that way. You know, you already got history with that. Don't even look at it. You've got to refuse the counsel of the strange woman. Again, this is all part of applying self-control. And you must wait on the Lord. You must wait on the Lord to renew your strength. I like that you've got to wait 
on the Lord to renew your strength so you won't be anxious. I'm going to tell you, it's nothing like when the Lord slows everything down for you. And we're, so, we're such in a hurry. You know, it's amazing. When it, when it comes to like sex outside of marriage, you're in a hurry to get it done. You know, because it's illicit, right? You've got to hurry up. While the, while the window's there, you've got to hurry up and, you know, do this. But once you slow, God will slow your life down. Just wait on the Lord. And part of waiting on the Lord now, I'm spending more time with God. I'm spending more time hearing His Word, listening, reading my Bible, praying and studying, listening to the messages that are coming forth. That's encouraging my heart, lifting up my spirit. That's how I'm waiting on the Lord. You know, I'm not saying just you're going to be idle. You're going to wait on the Lord. Let Him renew your strength. And then you have to apply dominion over your flesh. You have dominion over your flesh. You've got to apply it. Apply dominion over your flesh. That means I'm not going to take my flesh as instruments of unrighteousness, but I'm going to take my flesh as instruments of righteousness. I'm not going to let my members rule me. I rule my members. You have to apply dominion over your flesh. And then you have to flee fornication. Again, I've been saying this over again. You have to flee fornication. Flee fornication means you've got to avoid it. You have to avoid fornication at all cost. Right? That means even your conversations. You can't be fornicating in your conversations. You can't be flirting with your body language, with subtle messages. Stop the flirting. Yeah, I'm just trying to help. This is all part of that. Well, that's who I am. I'm just flirting. I'm just a flirty person. Stop it. Because you don't flirt with everybody. You ain't flirting with your dad and your mama. Stop the flirting. You know how to turn it off. Just like you turn it on, you can turn it off. Stop it. You know, when, when your mind makes you think you look really good, stop it. Well, I got it going on. My body's banging. Well, why everybody got to see what your banging body looks like? Stop it. Stop it. Because you're doing it for the attraction. You're not trying to avoid fornication. You're trying to attract fornication. Stop it. I'm going to tell you, if you change your attire, they'd be like, what happened to you, brother and sister? They'd be really saying, oh, you got saved? Did you get born again? By just your attire. Start, stop wearing all that tight clothes, you females. Stop it. Tight skirts, short skirts, tight blouses, low-cut blouses. Stop it. Got your little midriff out. And brothers, you too. Stop wearing the stuff you're wearing. You know, it's good that you keep an exercise and working out, but nobody needs to see your muscles. It's okay. You know, leave that, leave that, we call, leave that tank top for, for when you're working out. You ain't got to walk out with your tank top on, you're sweating, you know, your, 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 your muscles bulge. You know, that's okay. Leave it alone. You've been at the gym? That's great. You've been working out. That's a good thing. Nobody got to see how your workout regimen you posting all that stuff on, on Facebook or whatever, social media. I just pumped all this. They look at me. You just profile. You, you, you're attracting fornication because you know who's watching it. You know, post yourself up with a suit on, a tie, a haircut, shade, clean. You know, at a job, working. See what that attracts. Is that brother actually working? Yeah, I'm working. 
Post that up on social media. These are things, I'm telling you, this, all those subtle things keeps you caught up in sex outside of marriage. When you're flaunting this thing. So you've got to flee fornication. And you cannot put yourself in situations that lead to sexual encounters. Don't put yourself in the situations that lead to sexual encounters. Meaning you've got to know your flesh is weak. You've got to put no confidence in your flesh. And you know the situations that will lead you to sexual encounters. You know them. That means I cannot be alone one-on-one with a female or a guy. Especially someone I had sex with before. Like I said, with them, you need to leave them alone. But the other people you're attracted to, put yourself in a group setting. We say these things all the time. I don't know why people think, well, I'm grown. I ain't got to be, I can handle like, see, you, you ready to line yourself up to have a sex outside of marriage again. You're ready to go out there and be another outlaw again. You already know what you're trying to do. Stop playing games with yourself. Again, that's why I go back to number one. You've got to take responsibility of your actions, that they are wrong. If you truly repented before God, you're like, I am not going to put myself in a position to have sex outside of marriage again. I'm not doing it. That means if the, if the female, if, she, if, I'm a, if I'm a guy and a female starts coming on to me, I'm going to let her know up front, no. I'm going to tell her up front, I am not having sex with you. Well, I just said, you, you know, you look good. I like the posting you put on Facebook. I'm not having sex with you. you brothers, you know, the, you know the game. You know when a girl is coming on. You know what she's trying to say. She can play the game like, oh, no, I wasn't meaning that. You know what she meant. If you take the bait, she's going to go all for it. She throw bait out there for you. And the same thing with the women. You guys will throw bait out there for you to see if you're going to take it. So I can't put myself in those situations. I got to avoid it. What does that mean? You know, that means maybe you have to start hanging out with your family more. Instead of hanging out with those, those outlaws. You know, spend time with your dad and your mama. That'll help you. That'll help you stay sober. You know, stop by and spend time in their house, in their home. Watch the program that they're watching on TV. Listen to the music they're listening to. It's amazing because you're like, wait a minute, you know, dad and mom, it's made, when you go over to your parents' house, they got so much peace. Everything's nice. You know, their, their TV shows, like, oh, everybody can sit there and laugh at it. You ain't got to stop it and mute everything and run and get the children covered. It ain't all that. The music they're listening to is, is um, um, Pandora or whatever their little music stream is, is, you know, appropriate. It's talking about God. It's praise and worship. I mean, it's amazing. You come in and they're singing about the glory of God. You're like, uh, okay. At that point, you're not thinking about no sex outside of marriage. This will help you. And then you have to stay accountable to God. You have to stay accountable to God. When you repent, now all of a sudden I'm accountable to God. And I have to stay it. Stay accountable to God. Understand, when you commit sin, your sin is against God, but it affects others. So I've got to stay accountable to God. And what helps me stay accountable to God, I've got to make myself accountable to those in godly leadership. Or my spiritual authority. You know, however you want to look at it. Let me say this. You know, you know the ones you, can, you need to go talk to. It's amazing how people play games. But I don't really have someone spiritual. You have someone spiritual authority. That's the one you don't even talk to. 
Because you already know what they're going to tell you. You know the ones that you can go talk to that are going to give you godly counsel. You already know them. Stop playing games. So those people, you need to come and have a conversation with them. Those people you need to be intimate with. Share with them that you know somehow I'm having an issue here. I repented before God, but I need someone to help me to be accountable in this area. Talk to them. Again, those in spiritual authority. And they will help you. They'll help you be accountable. And matter of fact, for the most part, they already know you out there. They're waiting for you to show up. It's like God got like, been waiting for you to come. Before you hit total ruin. And then all of a sudden now you don't beat, you know, beat down and total ruin. Now everybody want to come to God. Again, God's going to restore you. But I'm saying, but you could avoid all that, or at least avoid some of that, if you'd have started early in this process. So make yourself accountable to God. Put yourself under someone that is in spiritual authority that you know will keep you accountable. That means they're going to ask you about it. So when the last time you talked to, you know, that guy? When the last time you talked to, you know, that sister or that woman? And then don't start lying. Well, yeah, you know, she texted me the other day, but I didn't text her back. You're lying. You got to be truthful. Well, yeah, she texted me the other day, and I, you know, I texted her. You know, and then you ask her, what, what should I say when she texts me? Good. Now we're having a conversation. If she texts me, what should I say back to her? Let me help you out. When she texts you, the ones you've been sleeping with, and what do you say to them? Say, praise the Lord. Every, that's all you just praise. I have it already typed up. Praise the Lord. Yeah, let's praise the Lord. Yeah, you can praise the Lord over here. Praise the Lord. Can I say you praise the Lord? Can we hook up? Praise the Lord. Start there. Praise the Lord. And then when you get, roll a little bit and ask some scriptures to it. And then start bombarding them with the word of God. You can go and show them Proverbs 5. You can go show them First Corinthians 6. You can just stop I and mean, you just type it all out. Your response is, is, is the Bible. Like, all I hear from them is the Bible. That's right. You're not going to entice me into any of this. See, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's spiritual counsel giving you that, that advice. But you don't want to do that. You're trying to play with it. You know, I miss you. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6. My body is, hey, my body is for the glorified God. I miss you. You don't miss nothing about me. You miss the illicitness. But see, you get godly counsel to help you with that. And then lastly, part of the restoration process is you got to endure this process. I mean, this is, to me, is so key. I can leave the, you have to endure it. It's an endurance that happens. You have to endure the restoration process with an attitude of humility, not arrogance, not being prideful. You have to endure it. Trust me, you're going to struggle because you've been doing this for so long and then now you're going to stop doing it. Your body's going to respond to you saying, what, what, what happened? And, and those urges are still there. That thirst is still there. The appetites are still there. Just, just because you repent, it doesn't mean it's going to go away. Body-wise, urges are still going to be there because you put things into motion. You built up an appetite in your body that shouldn't be for sex outside of marriage. And now part of this process, you have to endure it. I got to endure it. I got to stay in commitment 
to God and stay under authority. I gotta do, I can't grow weary. I can't grow tired. I can't give up. I have to endure it. And I'm gonna tell you, it's gonna take the grace of God to keep you. But endure the process. Because once you get on the other side, then you will be restored. Then you can actually, and I'll say this, right? Then you can actually go out with somebody and not look at their butt, not look at their breasts. You know, you actually can go out with them and it's, it's genuine. You actually can learn how to be a friend to the opposite sex without any kind of romantics at all. Not throwing hints or subtleties. It's you have been restored. She won't feel awkward and you won't feel awkward. That's how you know you're restored. When there's no awkwardness no more when you're being around the opposite sex. Not the ones you had sex with before. Because there's something always going to be there. Because you put things in the most. But I'm talking about the ones that somebody fresh and brand new, you know how to talk to a female if you're a guy and there's nothing there as far as trying to get, in, you know, like I said, get into her pants. Nothing's there. Again, God is faithful. This is here to help you so you can be restored in your sexual activities. Right? Activities that are sin against God. Take the counsel, apply it for your life, and be restored in this season of your life. Amen? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.